Welcome to the WRSU Crew, the revolutionary show to hear all things sports, from your very own Rutgers Athletics to the hot topics in all professional and collegiate sports from around the globe, coming to you from your own Rutgers students. Sit back, relax, and enjoy your ride with the crew. Tuesday crew here on 88.7 WRSU FM New Brunswick and online at WRSU.org. Eddie Kalegi here with Brett Hahn. Ellis Gordon will be joining us in just a bit. Uh, it's a bit of a mellow Tuesday crew. We don't have Skip or Shannon here today, but we've still got a fun two hours in store for you. Of course, locks of the week coming later. Lots to talk about. Uh, we could also talk a little bit about uh, Kayla McConnell declaring for the draft yesterday, but we might as well start things off with the NBA, and I kind of wanted to start with the game between the Warriors and the Grizzlies last night, and it seems like there's some growing animosity that we didn't really realize between Andre Iguodala and the Memphis Grizzlies. Now, obviously, after Iguodala's first tenure with the Warriors, he kind of bounced around the league, he ended up with the Grizzlies, then he went to Miami. Clearly, he didn't see eye-to-eye with the Grizzlies, and Dylan Brooks was making some pretty negative comments about how Iguodala didn't have the same mindset as the teammates, so they're happy to have seen him go, and he ended up being like him and Jordan Poore, like two of the only regulars playing for Golden State because they had no Curry, no Thompson, no Draymond Green. The Grizzlies got another win, and they're sitting comfortably in the two-seed right now. I love to see that because when he initially got traded to Memphis, it was was right before Ja got drafted, so he, you know... No, nobody knew that Ja would become the ultimate, you know, superstar that he is now, especially in such a short period of time. But Andre Godala didn't even give him a shot. He just he, he just basically said, I, I, "I'm going to sit out unless you trade me or you buy out my contract." And you know that that didn't sit well with the players, especially the younger guys that are in there to compete, win a championship, earn their first like huge lucrative contract. And, and you know what? I, I I don't blame Dylan Brooks at all. Because Iguodala is a guy who, you know, he he's he's in the twilight of his career. He's already won three rings. I understand from his perspective why he didn't want to, you know, wait around and risk the team not turning out that good and and wasting more time on his already declining peak. But you can't quit on your guys. And 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 Dylan Brooks just took that opportunity to show that Memphis really is a contender. They really are a team to be reckoned with in the West. Which honestly comes as no surprise to me. Like I, I, I think Jaws like far and away that the best prospect in that draft. Zion, you know, we we, we don't know when he's going to come back. Yeah, so. Zion Williamson is very talented when he plays, but the fact that we haven't seen him all year, I mean, we've only gotten so so little of him over these three years. But I kind of you know. We always talk about player entitlement in the NBA more so than other sports. And I think player empowerment, player entitlement, I think that's a big deal. But it only goes so far. You've got to be able to take it the other way as well. And I think we've seen a trend where there are players that end up getting roped into trades and then they just refuse to play. Andre Iguodala is not the only person. Uh, I know the Nets, they literally signed Paul Millsap because Millsap had nowhere else to go. He signs with the team within a week. He says he doesn't like it. And then he just stops playing and then ultimately gets thrown in as a trade piece in the Sixers deal. So we see this a lot with veterans, but for a young team like the Grizzlies to have this confidence right now, and you've talked about John Morant too, they're doing this with John Morant injured. I mean, they're what, like 16-3 and in the games that he's been out? Like, they can still do that without him? I mean, it's pretty impressive. Yeah, and I mean, it, it, it just speaks to the volume of their depth. And, and more importantly, it, it speaks to 
the rise of the role players around him too. Desmond Bain, l- look at the jump this guy made. He averaged a little bit over, I think it was like 12 points a game last year. Yeah, but he's averaging 18 he's this bucket. season. Desmond he, Bain's a bucket. I love Desmond Bain. Yeah, he, he's their best shooter. And, and then you got guys like Kyle Anderson, I, I always thought was very underrated going back to his Spurs days. He, he was thrown in a trade a while ago. Now, we never really understood, like, all right, how does he fit with the current timeline? But you know, with, with all the other guys taking such huge leaps, their second, third, and for Dylan Brooks, fourth year, um, Kyle Anderson's like the perfect piece to have. Steven Adams, his transformation from being strictly a post defender and guy who, you know, just stands in the middle, grab boards, to being this playmaking center. Like, we never knew he was even capable of this. He's averaging a career high, like 3.6 assists a game this season, something crazy. And just unlocking facets of the game that you didn't know existed. So I feel like with Memphis, you know, you're seeing a lot of guys buy into their role. You're seeing a lot of guys do stuff that you never thought they could do. And most importantly, the guys, they have chemistry and they're having fun. And and, and when guys like playing with one another and they do it at a high level, then sky's the limit. And, and we're seeing it with Memphis right now. They're far exceeding expectations. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, what I really wonder, though, is when we get to the playoffs – I mean, we saw Phoenix make a run with these guys not having that much playoff experience at all last year, but they did have Chris Paul on their side. Now, you've got a Grizzlies team that, yeah, played in the play-in and were a part of the bubble two years ago, but have just gotten a very little taste of the postseason and then have to deal with the Western Conference where you may have teams that may have players coming back that are going to look better. If the if the Nuggets get back either Michael Porter Jr. or Jamal Murray, it's more likely that Porter Jr. would be the one that comes back. But if one of them is back on the floor, uh, if the Clippers can get anybody healthy and get through the play-in round, I don't even want to talk about the Lakers because, let's be honest, they're <laughs> probably going to fall out of the play-in tournament. They're the 10th seed right now. I only half a game over San Antonio, which is hilarious. But... Uh, Regardless, there are still some teams, and of course the Warriors likely will have Steph Curry back in time for the start of the postseason. So there's going to be a lot of teams with guys with postseason experience that the Grizzlies are going to have to navigate. So I guess maybe I'll go to Ellis first. Uh, like, Do you think the Grizzlies really have a chance here to make a deep run in the playoffs? It's so funny that you mentioned that because I was having that exact same debate for over an hour yesterday in my dorm room. You know, I, I don't. Well, wait, what was it? Sorry. Deep run in the playoffs or like win the title? Deep run in the playoffs. So oh, deep run. If we're categorizing deep run as going to the Western Conference yeah. Finals, yeah. I do. Okay. I think I think I think most people will agree that they can beat all the most teams outside of the Warriors and um Warriors, excuse me, and the Suns. I don't I think it's disrespectful. I know the Nuggets potentially could be better than the Grizzlies, but I think it's disrespectful for the people, the Nuggets fans, to say that they would beat the Grizzlies right now in the playoff series if Michael Porter Jr. comes back because we don't know if either of them come back how good they're going to be at 100% right now. So I'm going to take the proven talent product in the Grizzlies over the Nuggets, and then the real hard matchup comes in the second round when they'd most likely have to play the Warriors. And, you know... Every year you see these NBA teams, like, are they regular season teams or are they playoff teams? The Jazz is a great example. Always great in the regular season. In the playoffs, not that they're bad, but they're never real contenders. No one's, I'd say, afraid of them. Um, I think the Grizzlies can take the Warriors. I mean, they just beat them. But I think the Grizzlies, I know it's regular season, but I think the Grizzlies can take the Warriors. I think it would be a close series. But this team's chemistry is just so good. They just they they kind of match up well. I mean, the Warriors are great, but they kind of match up well against the Warriors. Bain's a good buck. He's also kind of a good defender. Jordan Jackson is a versatile big man defender. Like It would be a close series, but I think the Grizzlies have a chance to take the Warriors. I don't think they beat the Suns yet. 
Yeah, I don't think so either. I think there's a chance they beat the Warriors, especially if the Warriors have injured players. If they, if any of the big three that they have, quote unquote, with Steph, Clay, and Draymond, if any of those three are out at all in that series, I think it's done and the Grizzlies get through. But if the Warriors are healthy, I don't really see them matching up that well with Draymond Green because he is just such a unique talent. For sure, for sure. Um, and if Clay Thompson can eventually go back to 2018, 2017 Clay with his shot, which I think as he gets more reps in, that could come. I think there's still a chance. But I think regardless, it would be a very interesting series. But, Brett, I don't see either of these teams really making a run at the Suns right now. No, and, and, and you said what I had on my mind, Eddie, and that's we haven't seen vintage Clay Thompson in consistent spurts. We, we, we've seen a couple really good games. And for for the most part, you know, really, really above average shooting. But you haven't seen the three and D clay, the difference maker, the guy who scored 38 points in a quarter. You haven't seen the guy who made th- makes three after three after three, regardless of the f- whoever closes out on him on defense. We haven't seen that version yet. He it's clear that he's still working to uh, ramp up his conditioning in some way, shape or form from the injuries that he sustained over the last two seasons. And. Uh, I I can even argue right now that Jordan Poole is of more importance to the team's success right now than than Thompson is. I, I I'm not trying to say that Thompson's a bad player. I'm just saying Jordan Poole's been that good, and and he's been that critical in the second unit scoring to where losing him in the lineup is going to be a problem for the Warriors. In addition to losing one of those three, I, I as for the Grizzlies, I mean, I don't think anybody's beaten the Suns. Like the Sun, the Suns are the best team in the league, I, I hands down. And and ha- and if Chris Paul stays healthy through the playoffs, I don't see a reason why they won't be in the finals again. Well, that, I, I'm going to go out on a limb with that. Well, that's the question because I know you're a Rockets fan, and we all know what happened. No, nah, there's Paul no bias got injured here. Late in the play- <laughs> postseason. I mean, we can all admit that team would have had a good chance to win the NBA Finals that year if Chris Paul didn't get hurt. And now he's older, and he already has an injury history. And then like this finger injury came out of nowhere, and then he ended up missing. You know a few a few weeks now he's going to be coming back he's going to be healthy for the playoffs but in some ways this was good you know gave him some rest because we saw him start to tire out especially in the NBA finals last year but at the same time he is becoming more injury prone he's one of the older players in the NBA at this point if Chris Paul gets hurt do you think the Suns are still the favorites in the West Ooh, see that's tough that's tough uh, I, yes, I do. I do think. I, I, I still think they're fair. Mm, I don't know. Actually, if Chris Paul gets hurt and the Warriors are healthy, I have to give it to the Warriors. Yeah, yeah. But if the Warriors are also injured, I still give it to the Suns. Because, mm. like, I've watched campaign play, and it's 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 atrocious. That is not the guy you want starting at a point guard. Yeah, I, I'm not. He's not a bad backup. It's just the amount of times I've seen this guy use his speed to get to the rim and uh, an under undershoot and very easy floater. It, it, it made, makes me want to pull my hair out. Now I see why Thunder fans didn't like him. Like I, I, I bet him if Amir was here, he would probably back me up on this. Yeah. But you know, Chris Paul is the engine. We saw it last year. But however, this season has proved that the other depth pieces have stepped up to the plate. Michael Bridges, DeAndre Ayton, Devin Booker, having you know a Devin Booker type season. Um. Backup, backup bigs, something they didn't have last year, they have this year. They have JaVale McGee and Bismack Biombo. Bismack Biombo doesn't get talked about enough, but the dude, grab when he gets on the court, is an above-average rebounder and above-average defender. That's exactly what they needed. When Dario Saric got hurt in last year's finals, 
who they have. Frank Kaminsky. Frank Kaminsky was not going to win you a title as a starting big man playing 26 minutes a game. He, he there, there's no way. So just having backup big man depth, I feel like is going to help them. But there's so many good teams in the West. Like I, I, I honestly even feel like you know a team like Utah could upset them without Chris Paul. But I uh, see that's where I disagree. I. Utah just doesn't have the star talent. I still don't have faith in the Jazz in the playoffs. Yeah, and uh, Gobert, he's just not that guy in the playoffs. They can easily isolate him. Mitchell is that guy, for sure. But you need more. In this modern NBA, you need more than one of those star players to win the playoffs. I think <clears throat> I think there's two teams that could potentially, you know, give them trouble. Not that I'm not saying they're going to beat them in a series, but if the Clippers have Paul George and if Paul George plays like he did in the playoffs last year, I think that team has potential. We've seen how the Clippers have stepped up despite having both of their superstars out. They've still been afloat and they've still played better than a Lakers team that has suppo- had their supposed big three out there a decent amount. And even when AD's been hurt, they've had LeBron and Russell Westbrook. You've had Reggie Jackson, Nicholas Batum, uh, Man, Amir Coffey, I, like all these guys that have kind of stepped up and kind of filled those voids. So I'd watch out for them. And then the Nuggets. I, I, you can never doubt Nikola Jokic, and if that team gets Jamal Murray or Michael Porter Jr. or both of them back healthy to pair them with Aaron Gordon and Monte Morris, that is a threatening roster too. So I think those are teams that could could potentially challenge the top three in the West, but I think at this point it's between Phoenix, Golden State, and Memphis all the way in the Western Conference. But obviously we can't talk about the bet with the Chicago Bulls because we don't have Skip and Shannon here, but we can talk <laughs> about the Eastern Conference. And the thing that is really annoying to me is how the Boston Celtics were in 11th place in near mid-January and all of a sudden got to the top seed. Now they lost. Now they're back at like the three seed. It's like all over the place in the East, but they're, they're a top team now in the Eastern Conference. So it's kind of crazy. So I'll go to you, Brett. I mean, do you think the Celtics team is legit to make a deep run in the playoffs? First and foremost, it's crazy that seeds one and five are about a game to a game and a half back of each other. Mm-hmm. I think that's absolutely nuts. And, and and the Celtics, you know, the Celtics are a very streaky team. Yeah. They have been for the last three three seasons. And they just lost Robert Williams to an Achilles tear. So he's out at least six, four to six weeks, right? Right away, that's that's your best defender. Isn't he out for the season now? Is there any way he can come? I mean, for the finals, I guess he can come back. If they make a, if they make a deep run, he'll be back. All but right. but that's a big if. And Robert Williams is their best defender. Yes, he's undersized, but he plays like he, he plays like a typical starting center. The dude is one of the best shot blockers in the NBA. Great rebounder, shoots seventy percent of his free nickname, throws. Best nickname in the actually second best nickname in NBA history. Of I course, think for my first one is White Chocolate. Yeah, yeah. but the second <laughs> one, second one has to be the it, Time Lord. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but yeah, but I, I, I mean, like Robert Williams is just so important to what they do, and I, I mean, having Al Horford helps that, but he, Al Horford, is old. He's getting older. I mean, he's not getting any younger, and he was never really the premier defender that we're seeing out of you know Williams this year. And the other thing too is like, will there be consistency in both Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum's games for long enough of a stretch to make a run in the playoffs? Again, that's something we didn't see. The, the one playoff run where they did, Marcus Smart basically shot them out of the series. Mm-hmm. But then last year you saw Marcus Smart basically keep them alive while the other two were struggling. So it's just a matter of can you put all the pieces together at the right time, and that's something they haven't been able to do. But the, the East is tough. In my opinion, the East might be equally as tough as the West this year. This is the first year where I can honestly like sit here and think, wow, 
you know, I, I, I'm going to want to keep an eye on both conferences' playoff games. In, in the past, in the East, you know, you wouldn't really care until, like, maybe one series in the semifinal, and for the most part, the Eastern Conference Finals on. But there's so many good teams that it, it's just going to make it interesting. It's hard to tell right now whether the Celtics are going to be one of those elite teams or not. Well, one team that's, like, supposedly good, but then again, they had their head coach and their highest-tenured player brawling with their star last week, the Miami Heat. Now, as a Nets fan... Now, I, I, I'm a little nervous, but they're sitting in the 8th seed right now. If they can maintain that, I think they can make it through the play-in tournament and get either the 7 or the 8th seed. They'll win one of the two games. Looking at who they'd match up with, because we have no idea who's going to get the 1 seed, I'd love a Sixer series just, just, just for fun, just for the drama. I would not want to face the Bucks. Right now, I wouldn't want to face Boston, but the team I'd want to match up with is the Heat. But I don't know if Miami can even get that 1 seed right now after everything that happened. Uh, yeah, Miami kind of like the Jazz of the East. I feel like, like they're a good regular season team. Butler's great; they have their star. But like, I just can they beat the Bucks? Can they beat the Nets? Can they beat the Seventy Sixers? I think they're clearly the fourth best team. I think they got the Bulls. I think they got the Bulls now because the Bulls have been really struggling. But I think they're clearly the fourth best team. So I don't know about that. But you know, they'll they'll definitely be in the mix for the top three. I mean, they're always great regular season teams. I don't take too much stock into that fight personally. Because, I don't know, it happens all the time. Like, the way they handled it clearly meant, at least in my mind, the way they handled it showed there was no, like, residual beef after it. Obviously, it's not great to fight with your head coach, obviously. But that's kind of just, like, how intense Jimmy Butler is. They had both talked about it afterwards. They both seemed fine about it. So, I'm not worried about chemistry problems. Just do they have the star power? They match up well against the Bucks, and they've beaten the Bucks in the past. But, like... I guess Adebayo's a great defender, so maybe he can guard Embiid, but I don't, I don't see them stopping the Nets. Who's going to guard Katie and Kyrie? Like, who on that team? Butler, Butler can take Kyrie probably, but then you have Katie open, and Bam is the only other really good defender. Tyler Hero's a mess on defense. Bam's the only other good defender. Katie, I mean, you can't have Bam on the perimeter all day long, at, despite him being a great defender. So who do you guard Katie with? And Katie is a bucket, as everyone knows, so I don't know. Uh, I, I'm not sold on the Heat's playoffs, but I think they'll get one or two seed in the regular season. Yeah, the the other thing, too, with the Nets, whoever they play against, the Nets' defense has been really bad this year. It's, and it's, where's Ben Simmons? Like, yeah. like the, Well, he's apparently got a herniated disc now, which I don't know how he did that. What did he get that from, like, sitting? I I, I don't, I don't no, know. No, he, he, first jog at practice, he's like, oh, oh, my God, my lower back. And and ever since, the man just hasn't played. And I'm telling you right now, if they match up against the Sixers, he's not taking the court. And they're yeah, he's out. not, yeah. They're out. Yeah. Guaranteed. Who do, you think, who do you think wins in that matchup? You're a Nets fan, right, Eddie? Yeah, I'm a Nets fan. Because I'm friends with someone Nets fan. They all say Nets easily because Harden's like, tri- like that, that's the right it's not. It, no, that's not how it's going to go. I, it's I gonna, said Nets in seven. It's going to go I seven. I think the Nets can beat them because in a game seven, James, I don't trust James Harden. Embiid, I, 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 a lot of people knock Embiid. Joel Embiid was not the problem last year in the postseason. It was Ben Simmons in that series, especially in game seven. I think Embiid would play well. But for the for you know the Sixers to be able to overpower the Nets with both Durant and Kyrie Irving, and now no more uncertainty about Kyrie playing with the updated rules, regardless of you know where a potential clincher would be played. Uh, you know the the Nets have two scores that you know are going to probably put up twenty five to thirty points. If James Harden is shut down or struggles in a big game like he's done many times before, I don't know if Joel Embiid on his own can really carry that freight. 
And Tyrese Maxey, he's a great player. I don't know if he can necessarily fill that void if Harden plays really bad. So remember, I forgot James Harden shot 3 of 17 in his first game against Brooklyn. And it's not like he was playing in a tough environment and going into Barclays Center with a bunch of booing fans. He was playing at home with the Sixers. So, with all of them booing Ben Simmons with the crowd on his side, and he still shot 3 of 17 against the Nets, he does not have a good path, path uh, you know, track record of playing well in big games. Even if you look at the stats from last year in Game 6 and Game 7, he wasn't terrible against Milwaukee, but Kevin Durant was the one who really had to carry the team after Kyrie Irving got hurt. James Harden didn't really bring much to the table, especially offensively. Yeah, he passed the ball. Yeah, he got double-digit assists, but scoring-wise, his shot was way off. He wasn't even making his free throws, which is concerning because that's usually where he dominates from. So I think if they matched up in a series, I think the Nets could get them in seven. Right now for Brooklyn, depending on what happens, I think they've got to keep the eight seed. They can't let Charlotte pass them. They can't be playing in a one-game, you know, one-take-all to at least stay alive and then have to win back-to-back. If they're the eighth seed, they'll win one of those two games. I think they'll be safe. The one other thing they have to watch out for is the one place that there's still a vaccine mandate in place is in Toronto. So if the Raptors are the seventh seed and the Nets are the eighth seed, the Nets would not have Kyrie Irving for the first play-in game. So that That would be... That would be huge. Yes. So... Raptors just passed Cleveland in the standings because Toronto won and Cleveland lost last night. So my hope is that the Raptors stay sixth. Now, we've never been able to beat the Cavs. So that's ever since Kyrie Irving came to the Nets, when he plays, when he doesn't play, Nets never beat Cleveland. So hopefully that can change when the Nets have a little more playoff experience on their side and have some more veteran presences. And also with the Cavs not having Jared Allen, that that's going to help a lot with the Nets being able to work it inside. But... When you look at the potential matchups, the Bucks, I don't, the Nets are not going to beat the Bucks in a series. So it's just, it's just trying to avoid the Bucks as long as you can, and hopefully the way the bracket works out, you could maybe get through two series and get to the conference finals. I don't have much faith in the Nets even making the conference finals, but I think this team, if they get the right matchup, they can win one series, maybe two. But from watching this team all year, everybody's saying, well, it's Kevin Durant, it's Kevin Durant. Kevin Durant is amazing. If Kevin Durant did not get hurt, Kevin Durant would be in the MVP conversation. But the fact of the matter is this. It's not just Kevin Durant on this team. Nets do not have, still don't have a strong enough post presence besides Andre Drummond. They don't, if Kyrie Irving or Durant struggle, they don't really have a consistent scoring option outside of maybe Seth Curry, who's been a bit injury prone since he came here uh, in the trade. So I, I don't know. I don't, I don't really have that much faith in them going that far, but I think... If they get the right matchup, they can certainly get through the play-in tournament and win at least run round. Yeah, I don't know. I I, I mean, the, the Nets just really lacked up yeah. compared to last year's team. And Last year's team didn't have much depth either. Yeah, no, and that's the thing. Like Last year, though, like they, they had Joe Harris healthy. Yeah. Now Joe Harris is out for the season. And, and, you know, I didn't really think it would make that big of a difference, but then you're noticing this year that, like, outside of Cam Thomas and, like, obviously the big two, like of Kyrie Irving and KD – who else is there? Like, be the, your your scoring punch. I mean, Seth Curry when he's healthy, but got, again, well, he, Seth he hasn't, Curry's good. Yeah, Pat, Patty Mills if he gets a shot back. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Patty Mills, that's true. But he's been a mess really, really ever since Seth Curry came. He played really well at the beginning part of the season, but he's kind of dropped off. I, I know this is like false logic, but I'm not. I'm just not told in the Nets because they haven't seen it for more than like a seven game stretch them playing good, and like I know like 
I know they're going to get everyone back for the playoffs. This is def- for sure this is going to be the strongest Nets team in the playoffs all season. So it's a little unfair to say. But I was looking at the East, and I'm like, uh, matchup-wise is different. But uh, eyeball test, the eyeball test all season taking into account, how can you – it's hard to say the Nets are going to win when they're sitting at the eighth seed and then – they haven't. KD's looked great, but at times in the season, they haven't looked particularly good as a team. Where the Bucks have been, I know they've struggled. Everyone's seen struggles at some point in an 82 game season, but the Bucks overall has been pretty consistent. 76ers have been pretty consistent. So I, un- I totally understand the argument for the Nets. I totally get it. I can almost even like agree with it. But when I'm making predictions, right, and I'm ha- and this is a prediction. Like these are this is a prediction. I'm not gonna like. I'm happy to be wrong. I'm happy to be wrong. And the Nets are gonna make the finals. That because I could see where that's coming from. But I just find it a hard time for me to pick an eighth seed to go to the finals. In which, like, I know it's a special case, but, like, I don't know. It's, I want, like, it's just, it's hard, it's hard to imagine it for me. But I know, I know this is an eighth seed on, like, any other eighth seed. So I'm happy to be wrong with that. But I just, my personally, I would pick the Bucks for 76ers. I was thinking this through, and I was trying to figure out the ideal path for Brooklyn. And this is how it goes. So I think they're gonna they're gonna end up with the eight seed. They're too far away from Cleveland or Toronto. I hopefully they play Cleveland and Toronto gets the six seed, so they can have Kyrie Irving there for the play-in game. Ideally, the Nets win that game. They're the seven seed for you know the first round. I think the Bucks are still gonna end up with the one seed when it's all said and done. So I'd hope for a matchup with either Philly or Miami in that first round. Really, either one. I'd like it if the Sixers and Heat are the two and three seed and the Nets are the seven. So they get through one, then they end up playing the other because I think those are the two teams that the Nets would match up the best against. I know they beat Boston last year in the playoffs, but the Celtics team scares me and the Celtics have played really well when they've played the Nets this year. So if they can do that and then hopefully the Bucks and Celtics meet up in a series, and it's a gauntlet of a series, a seven-game series, and they kind of tire each other out. Maybe the Nets sneak through, and then they play the winner of that series in the Eastern Conference Finals, but that's probably the ideal outlook I have at this point. But uh, still about a month left uh, here, actually a little less than that, in the NBA regular season, and then the postseason begins in mid-April. Maybe we'll talk a little MVP later in the show. we got locks of the week coming up in a bit as well. You are listening to the WRSU Tuesday Crew, Eddie Kalegi with Brett Hahn and Ellis Gordon on 88.7 WRSU-FM New Brunswick and online at WRSU.org. Locks of the week here on a Tuesday on the WRSU crew. Eddie Kalegi here with Brett Hahn and Ellis Gordon. Well, these two are much better at locks than I am, and I was wrong last week. I, I think I finished like 2-10. and ten. I, Well, I'm at 2-10 and ten now. I was wrong. I said Jason Tatum was going to get at least 35 points, and he did not. So uh, let's look into this. I've done the player props. I had a l- success one game, but... I'm gonna look at I'm gonna look at this and I know I, I know I love the Nets, but they are favored by a lot tonight against the Pistons. It's a 14 point gap. And seeing how the Nets have played against teams that aren't very good in the past, I don't know. I think the Pistons are gonna cover. 
So I'd take the Pistons. They're at minus 110. Nets are going to win the game, but I don't think they're going to win by this much. 14 points is a big spread to have. And for a Nets team that's coming off of what was a really bad loss, I, I know they're playing at home. I know Kyrie Irving is amped up to play at home. But Kyrie Irving has not played all that great in his first couple games back at the Barclays Center, which is honestly surprising with the way he clutched up, for example, against the Sixers and in the game against Charlotte when he had two 50-point two games in a span of a week. But I think Detroit, I think the Nets are going to win the game, but I'd take the Pistons to cover the 14-point spread. Uh, Brett, how about you? Ooh, I, I, I'm having a hard time this week because – I thought the ma- I thought the Magic were gonna lose by ten plus to the Warriors, and then the Warriors lost by like six. So I'm a little- took my second L. But um, honestly, there th- there's two schools of thought here. I mean, the first one is that very same Pistons and Nets game. Uh, there's Sadiq Bay players points plus assists over twenty and a half. That's definitely catching my eye because Sadiq Bey has been on an absolute scoring tear minus the last two games. Um, but on the other hand, you know, we're in spring training for baseball. And the Mets are set to take off against the lowly Marlins. Are you really going to place a lock in a the spring lowly- training game? <laughs> I don't know. I, I, I mean, this is this is where my head is. I'm trying, I'm trying to let you all know where, where, where my head's at. I, but, nah, I'm not going to do that. We don't even know who's gonna play. Nah, nah, nah I'm not gonna do that. You know what? You're, you're, you're right, Eddie. You're right. So I'm saving you, Brett. <laughs> no, I appreciate that. I appreciate that. Let the let and... the man work. He's barely ever lost. You can't say the same. Eddie. <laughs> That's true. You know what? Go ahead. If you've got if you nah, got the confidence nah, to nah, bet nah. on a spring training game. Nah, you know what? I I believe Eddie. His record doesn't impact the fact that he's speaking logic and facts right now. And for that, I appreciate it. I'm going to go with players, points, plus assists, Sadiq Bay over 20 and a half, plus 100. Lock it in. He's going to have 20 points. All he needs is an assist. All right. My turn, I guess. I am 12 and 3. Last week I lost both. I did, I, I'm 12 and 0 on single bets, but 0 and 3 on parlays. Last week, parlay Emmanuel quickly with Purdue win against St. Peter's. That did not work. Either of them, actually. Um. So... I'm going to a different player prop. We're going to go all the way down to Washington, D.C., where we got the Washington Wizards, who aren't that good, but they're playing the Bulls. And the Bulls usually take care of business, but, you know, I think a player is really going to shine today. And I'm a little, I'm just feeling it. The Israeli product, Danny, I'm going to butcher this name, Avdija, who's been pretty good recently, over 11.5 points. He's going to get it. He's gonna Let's say he's going to get 14. That's my lock of the week, over 11.5 points points for Denny. And then if you want to parlay it, I'm not saying this, but under for the Kristaps Porzingis points. But I'm not doing that. Yeah, I mean Optisha has actually been a pretty good pick for the Wizards and with Bradley Beal out, I mean they need somebody to score outside of Kyle Kuzma. Uh, and mm, Porz- Porzingis hasn't been bad since he went there either, so um, some interesting uh, picks for sure. Uh, one other bonus lock that I guess I'll do, because you know I always like coming on this show and getting made fun of for my NASCAR fandom. Uh, the NASCAR Cup Series goes to Richmond this weekend for the uh, seventh race of the season. And if you needed to do some sort of uh, line, if you needed to bet on some NASCAR driver, now I don't think there's a single person listening to WRSU that is in this predicament. However, I would say that for Richmond, I'd go with Alex Bowman to get a top 10 finish. 
Alex Bowman is a really strong driver. I think he's got a solid chance. Uh, he won the race last season. He's coming off of a race he almost won uh, at Circuit of the Americas last week. So that would be someone I'd go with. You know what? I, I, I'm locking in the bonus bet. The bonus lock. The Mets are going to take down the Marlins in spring training. You're confident. I, I, I'm highly confident. Mar Marlins are a bunch of bums. There's, there's no way they're going to beat us. That's a bonus lock, though. In spring training. Oh, in spring training, 100%. 100%. It is spring training. I mean, that's, that's bold. I'm locking it in. You know, I, I, that's bold. You inspired me to do a bonus lock. Okay. Are you gonna do like? Are you gonna put like some actual purse on that one? Oh, absolutely not. Because okay. if I put money on it, it'll lose. But oh, if I t but if I so tell the WRC faithful oh, oh, to do it, wait, wait. So if you put, so have you not been locking in your actual locks this, like this so far? Have you been locking your locks, Brett? That you've been doing so good on at WSRSU, with your own with your own like account. I'm see. I'm here to make sure everybody eats, you know. But, <laughs> but, except, but, for but you. except for me, yeah, pretty much. I I haven't been betting on it because I want to maintain the record, and the only way I maintain the record is if uh if if I don't bet on it. All right, so. that, that's respectable. And fortunately, I'm not locking any of my locks because they're usually pretty bad. Hmm. Yeah, well, that makes sense, Eddie. You yeah. should you shouldn't lock your locks. I know, I know. Ah, oh, man, you know what? I just go with whatever Bye. the opposite is of what I'm thinking. By the end of the semester, you'll be 500. Okay. Or actually, do we have enough weeks left for that? <laughs> hold on, hold on. Wait a minute. What are you doing? Right, I gotta go on like so an eight-week no. winning streak. Oh here. no, we don't. There's five we weeks left. So yeah. you can, oh no, we don't. Best you can get is seven and ten. Yeah. Or I just you got this, Eddie. Or I just get five in a row. Or I just tank for the first pick next year. <laughs> and locks the week. <laughs> yeah. 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 Two uh, and ten is pretty bad, Eddie. I gotta say. I know. Okay. Now if I you, respect you, but like if two you and counted like... Summer Crew, I'd be five and ten. But that's because I just picked against the Orioles, the spread against the Orioles, <laughs> all three, and I was right all three times. I and mean, then baseball that, season don't, ended. Don't discredit yourself. That's a great strategy. It's so easy to pick against the Orioles yeah. too. I, I I mean, why wouldn't you? And guess what? Next week baseball's back. Next Tuesday's only two days before opening day, so I can go back to the good old Orioles against the spread. <laughs> I'll probably do that. That might be the strategy till the end of the year for you, Eddie. Yeah, no, I that, think that so. might be what you have to do. Yeah, I'm probably gonna have to. But uh, we'll we'll come back. Uh, we're about uh, 35 minutes into the WRSU Tuesday crew on the other side of this break. We'll talk some NBA MVP. A lot of people in the mix. Who's the favorite? Who's still got a chance at the award? We'll talk about it. Eddie Kalegi with Brett Hahn and Ellis Gordon on 88.7 WRSU FM New Brunswick and online at wrsu.org. Tune in to the best in roots, reggae, and dancehall on the R.U. Irish Show with DJ Natty G every Saturday 8 to 10 p.m. on 88.7 WRSU-FM with the voice of Rogers online at WRSU.org. Give thanks and praise. Turbulence to the future. Endorse the one year. Ladies, I'm still loving you even though you're gone. We've got the love. She wants a Natty on our front line. I need your name and number where you reside. Send me floating. Tune in to Glorna Heron, the Voice of Ireland program, on Sundays from 5 to 7 p.m. Your hosts, Michael Callahan, Jack McCullough, Tommy Burns, and Joe O'Sullivan, play the best in Irish music and share news from Ireland and the Irish American community in New Jersey. Broadcasting from the campus of Rutgers University every Sunday at 5 on WRSU 88.7 FM. Hi, it's Olivia Munn with my shelter pets, Frankie and Chance. Say hi, guys. When I adopted them, I discovered that they both have incredible personalities. Chance's sole purpose in life is to love and to be loved. 
Frankie is a little bit of a scoundrel and always entertaining. They're a little bit of a lot of things, but they're all pure love. Adopt pure love at theshelterpetproject.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council, the Humane Society of the United States, and Maddie's Fund. Rutgers baseball is here all season long on WRSU-FM, New Brunswick. As the Scholar Knights look to shock the Big Ten by storm and bounce off a very productive 2021 season, we have you covered throughout the 2022 campaign. It's all here from March to June on 88.7 WRSU-FM, New Brunswick, and online at WRSU.org. Welcome back to the WRSU Tuesday crew. Eddie Kalegi with Brett Hahn and Ellis Gordon. Some NBA talk in the books, locks of the week in the books. Stay with us, by the way. Beginning of hour two, we'll have an interview. Alex Carminati talked to Nick Tereski from the Rutgers men's lacrosse team. Tereski had a goal on Sunday as Rutgers picked up a big win in their Big Ten opener at home against Ohio State. And a reminder, you can catch all Rutgers men's lacrosse action on the exclusive radio home of Rutgers men's lacs here on WRSU. But let's go back to the basketball scene because a lot of people have been debating the NBA MVP because there's so many people that have, you know, been in and out of talks this year. In my opinion, now it's starting to narrow down to just three, maybe four. I'd say it's between Jokic, Embiid, Giannis, and then potentially Luka Doncic because of his performance. DeRozan's kind of faded. John Morant, of course, has been injured now. So I'd say it's really down to those four. So I guess maybe I'll Give it to Ellis first. I mean, who who's your favorite at this point? Oh, uh, man. I mean, I'm missing. I, I don't think it's Giannis. I'll, I'll rule him out right away. I will rule out Luca, but like, still, like, I don't know how to best say this, but like, super, I respect him so much. But I just don't think he was consistently, he was amazing all season, but he wasn't consistently MVP form all season. So, therefore, despite him being ridiculous right now, he gets ruled out. And right now, we're just like, we're, we're trying to, like, pick through margins because like Luke has been great and he he probably deserves MVP but not this year and that leads to two players who pretty much played MVP season all season um stats wise probably stats wise I think it's Yoke I mean Jokic he won MVP this year and he's pretty much been better at everything he did he won MVP sorry he won MVP last year he's been pretty much better at everything he did this year he's gone better at every facet of the game um but that said, I don't think I think Joel Embiid is more important to his team. Well, see, I've been going back and forth in my head, as you can see right now. I've as Joel Embiid right now, but some days I wake up and I'm like, I think you know, as everyone does first thing in the morning, I wake up, rise out of bed, and I'm like, who's the MVP today? And some days I'm thinking Nikola Jokic, but usually it's Embiid just because of the point loads he's taking on. You know, it's a little unfair, but Jokic just doesn't score that much points compared to Embiid, and just because I think. He is the most. I think he is slightly more important to the team than Jokic is to the Nuggets. But it's just splitting hairs because Jokic has been. I mean, Jokic won the MVP last year and he's gone better. So it's a little unfair. But I mean, I wouldn't be mad if I gave it to Jokic. But I think Embiid gets this one. I think the score. I think there's two things that make a big difference right now. I mean, I've been all over the place. There was a point about a month ago where I thought Demar Derozan was the MVP just because of that stretch where he had like 35 points and was shooting like 60% from the field every game. That's changed, but right now, I think it still boils down between Embiid and Jokic. I'd also give it to Joel Embiid, and I think there's two reasons. First, I think with the scoring. Nikola Jokic does not score at the same clip as Embiid. I mean, Embiid's got a chance as a center to, you know, win the scoring title. He's 
right there neck and neck with LeBron James right now. That's dropped a tiny bit since he's had James Harden now on that offense, but that's the first thing. Second thing is if you've got to look at You've got to look at the full 82-game season. And I know the Nuggets have dealt with a lot of adversity. They've been without Jamal Murray and Michael Porter Jr. And, of course, Nikola Jokic has had to carry the freight for them and keep them in good positioning in the Western Conference. That being said, the fact that the Sixers who had so many injuries at the beginning of the year, had all the dysfunction with Ben Simmons. They had Tobias Harris out for a time. They even had Maxi out for a little bit. Thibel was hurt. They had basically... All their good guys, except for Joel Embiid, hurt early in the season. They had some messy lineups, yet they started the season at a ridiculous clip. They had the number one seed earlier in the year, and they've stayed in contention for that top seed. The Nuggets have been good. They haven't been to that level. And these are both two teams with big men that have dealt with similar situations with dealing with injuries and not having their full teams out there. And Joel Embiid, I think, has done a better job with that. So right now, like Ellis said, it might be unfair that Jokic is having a better year than last year when he won the MVP. But Joel Embiid is just having such a massive season. And also remember, I'm a Nets fan. I'm not being biased here against Joel Embiid. I think he's better right now than Nikola Jokic. And I think he plays a bigger role in making the Sixers the team that they are and in the place in the standings that they are than Jokic does for the Nuggets right now. So I think by the slimmest of margins, this could change over the next couple weeks. I got Embiid. How about you, Brett? See, I, I, for me, it's hard to tell. I mean, Embiid is averaging nearly 30 points a game. Dude's a machine. But according to the latest ESPN MVP straw poll, I think it was conducted today, um, the top five currently goes as listed. goes Jokic number one, Embiid number two, Giannis three, Morant four, Tatum five. Now, we, out of that list, right away we can rule out Tatum Morant. That, that those two aren't going to win it. No chance. Giannis is is the wild card, but I I don't think he has anything. Like I don't think he'll win it over Embiid. Now the Jokic Embiid debate, you know, it, it it goes two ways. Scoring, who's the better scoring center? Embiid. Who's got the better seating in their respective conference? Sixers are near number one. That's going to go to them in a heartbeat. But Jokic, I, I mean, the the guy has carried an injury riddled. Nuggets squad the entire year. The man's averaging 26.3 points, not that far off from Embiid's 29.9. 13.6 rebounds, eight assists, a steal and a half, and almost a block a game in 33.6 minutes. I, I I mean the the dude's a the dude's a unit, and he he's been performing really well all year. I think it's going to go to Embiid, but I don't think it's going to go to Embiid because he's playing better than Jokic. I can argue Jokic is playing better than him, but. Voter fatigue is such a huge factor in all of these media votes that I just can't see anybody really winning a back-to-back anymore unless they have a historical campaign. So, I mean, Giannis I think it's in beats lose. Yeah, Giannis did it very recently. Yeah, but uh, yeah, but like for the most part, like voter fatigue is Those such a huge thing, factor. For sure. And like, like the one player you can think of as an example is LeBron James. That's yeah. Like, is it only him? I don't know, but 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 we've seen it so recently to where I can't really like trust any of these polls anymore. That that while yes, in the latest ESPN poll, Jokic does have sixty-two first first place votes and thirty-one second place votes. The sixty-two first place votes is thirty-three more than Embiid's twenty-nine. But like we we have to take all that with a grain of salt. Like 
it, 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 it honestly can go anywhere. Like, Jokic is the favorite in this, but on DraftKings Sportsbook, he's a minus 200 to win. It's ba- They're basically saying it's Embiid's to lose. So it varies on the source. Really, the MVP, I, I think we can all agree on this. The MVP has been an award primarily for the best player on the best team in the in the res- their respective conference or in the league, and that's Embiid. Well, that is Embiid. Yeah, that is Embiid. So, I don't know if I can agree with that, though, but I, I get what you're saying. That if, if that's the definition, then it's Embiid. Because, I mean, look, if we're going off box score, I think I think Jokic is the better numbers. But if we're going off record, it, it's Embiid. No no question. So, I think it's also – this is also another testament to the Phoenix Suns, the fact that they have nobody on their team that's really anywhere near the MVP conversations, yet they've been able to play so well. And even though Chris Paul and Devin Booker have both been out for – Massive well, spurts of times this season. Devin Booker does flirt around in the MVP conversations he, here and there. He does, but he's not up. He's not at that same level. For sure, for yeah. sure. Yeah, uh, there's there's a gap. But the fact that the NBA this year has just had so many guys that have been back and forth that have been in the picture. I mean, you're also at the beginning of the season, and it's funny how much everything has switched. I remember about six weeks into the season, everybody thought it was going to end up being between Kevin Durant and Seth and uh, Steph Curry because Curry had a really good start and ended up breaking the three-point record, and then you had Kevin Durant scoring 30 points every game, and the Nets got off to a really good start before everybody got COVID and then Kevin Durant got hurt and then everything fell apart for them. But the two of them have had great years. Of course, we just talked about those top three. Plus you got John Morant, Tatum's carrying Boston, Luka in Dallas, DeRozan in Chicago. Can't, you know, underestimate what LeBron James is doing with the Lakers too. There are a solid 10 to 11 players right now that are playing. I wouldn't say MVP caliber, but in MVP conversation level, and I think that's really nice to see for the NBA when it seems like every year it seems like a runaway and sometimes where it's just between two guys or maybe just one player you just know is going to be MVP. It really kind of reinforces the idea that there's so much parity this year in the NBA and that we don't really know who's going to be coming out on top after it all. Yeah, I mean, look, like you were you were talking about LeBron. I'm kind of surprised. In ESPN's poll that I was just talking about, he's not even in the top ten. Like – Six six goes to Luca. Seven's Devin Booker, like you were just talking about. Eight, eight Steph Curry, and I and I think if injuries weren't a th- weren't a factor for him, and like if Jokic and Embiid weren't putting together like really amazing statistical uh, productions for a center, like the first of that first of its kind, you know, pri- since Jokic's season last year, and then before that, like who knows? And you know. The Suns actually have two guys in the top ten. They got Booker, and then surprisingly, Chris Paul's number ten, with five first place votes. Huh. I don't know. But I don't know about that one though. Yeah, like that. that I don't know. There's, there's some. Hmm. Is is has DeRozan dropped out of the top ten? DeRozan's not in the top ten according to this. It's it, it goes Lucas six, Booker seven, Curry eight, Durant nine, Chris Paul ten. I'd put LeBron and DeRozan both over Chris Paul at this point. Uh, yeah, that that's that's sure. that's a tough one to go with. But I mean, I guess that yeah. So the Suns do have two in the top ten right now. Steph Curry, the one thing I mean, he's also had a down year in terms of his shooting. I know he set the record, 
but his field goal percentage, his three-point percentage, they're both very low compared to past years. The the Warriors have had such a tremendous season, but both Steph Curry and Klay Thompson have not been shooting at the clips they'd expect. And yet Klay Thompson, he's been out of the league, you know, injuries for two years. But Steph Curry, even compared to last season, his numbers from the field on field goals on three-pointers and from the free throw line have all dropped. And as much as everybody will just tweet out, you know, his shoot around videos where he's making 15 shots before a game, he hasn't been able to do that as well in game this year. Yeah, he still hit some crazy threes that blow your mind, but he's not really playing at that same caliber. And we're seeing the Warriors, you know, they've still been able to navigate in some ways without him. But I know it's it's hard now, but the last couple games has been because Clay and Draymond are both out too. So I think it's kind of appropriate where he's placed. Yeah, and you know, um, it's it like I I feel like you know it we're we're talking about the other guys, but it's gonna end up being Jokic versus Embiid, um, for sure. And and like Embiid helped this case last game against uh it was a one fourteen one oh four loss uh, against the Clippers. Was it the Clippers? See now 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 I'm forgetting who they played. Oh, they no, they they played Phoenix. That's who they played. That's right. They they lost by ten, but Embiid put up thirty seven points, fifteen rebounds, three assists, three steals, two blocks. I MVP mean, level from a big man in pursuit of the scoring title. Like, first of all, I I think it's amazing that a big is contending for a scoring title in this modern NBA. Right, this modern NBA has been like positionless so, basketball. Positionless man. basketball. It's been so focused on like you know, all right, all right, whatever lineup produces the best analytical outcome. S- small balls uh, has been put at a premium and, and and Embiid really is like you know besides Jokic uh, those are like the two centers that really are like what you want in a modern center that can do it all and and, and Embiid sh- beats showing that I, I I mean normally uh, not normally that, that, that's the wrong word we haven't seen really in the past besides those two a center that has been the main point of a championship contending team over the last like decade up until these two and it's just amazing to watch him be this season and I I kind of had a feeling if he stayed healthy that he was gonna eventually get one and, and I'm glad that he to see that he's getting the respect that he finally deserves and that his health is finally on his side I, I hope I don't jinx him <laughs> <laughs> you know I mean we're talking about a bunch of teams and players that are doing well but I mean kind of to wrap up the hour and wrap up our NBA portion of the show and talk about the Los Angeles Lakers because th- this is why do we have to talk about them because it's fun and I'd love to make fun They're of garbage Amir. I'd love to make <laughs> Wait, fun of Amir yeah. but Amir's not here so <laughs> Amir really was like trust me the Lakers are back no, they're not. Lakers no, they're got not. Blown, blown apart <laughs> by the Pelicans again for the second time in like a month. And now the Spurs, who won a wild overtime game I last night honest, against Houston. Night, they're done for. Yeah. Luka's going to piece them up real quick. Yeah. And the Lakers' schedule is just, I mean, aside from another game against New Orleans, who they haven't been able to beat the last two times, and one game against the Thunder, whole rest of their schedule is against playoff teams. Play- Do you think they missed the playoffs? Well, they're only a half. I would love to see They're that. only a half game above the Spurs right now, and Do I trust. You think they missed? Yeah, I mean, I trust Greg Popovich's coaching only down half a game. You know, against a dysfunctional Lakers team. I don't know. The Spurs have gotten a little more healthy. I think there's a serious chance that the Lakers drop to 11th and don't even make the playoffs. So whether LeBron James likes the play-in or not doesn't even matter because he doesn't even get into it, which would just be absolutely hilarious. Yeah, I mean, it's crazy that the Lakers aren't going to make the playoffs even. Like, 
no one could have predicted this bad of a season. They are in they are in free fall unless LeBron puts up over forty, which he does like once every ten days. Like they <laughs> lose, they lose, and that's not ten days. Once every like seven eight games, they lose. It is that bad. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, hi, the Spurs, they could win it. They, they, I mean, they could they, not win it. Sorry, they can make the play in. Is what I mean by that. They could be over the Lakers or half game back. Who says that they can't? And I mean, the Spurs' schedule isn't that bad. I don't think. Like, who are they playing? The Spurs. Listen, they play the Grizzlies. They're probably gonna lose. But then they play the Trailblazers, the Nuggets, the Timberwolves. Oh, their actually schedule is pretty bad. Actually, never mind. I take it back. But it's easier than the Lakers for sure. Yeah. And you know, we keep on saying, yeah, but LeBron, LeBron. This ain't this ain't 2019, LeBron. LeBron can't, I mean, he's great. All respect to him, but he's too old to carry a team anymore. This team is, they're good. They're, they're, the Spurs are a solid team. They can make the 10th seed and the Lakers can lose. And, you know, no matter how much LeBron James is capable to carry the team, because I have faith in him late in the season and when they, everything's on the line, people are comparing this roster in some ways to, you know, the Cavs team, the year when both Kevin Love and Kyrie Irving were hurt in the playoffs, or even the last season after Kyrie Irving was traded for Isaiah Thomas and Thomas didn't work out. And then the Cavs randomly had like Dwayne Wade on their team and stuff. (laughs) I think this team that the Lakers are going with and, you know, how Russell Westbrook has played all season with Anthony Davis being not healthy and nobody else really being that great on this Lakers team. I think this roster is much worse than anything that LeBron James had to negotiate with in the playoffs with Cleveland and any of those five years in a second stint. I think this roster could potentially be the worst he's had to work with since his first couple of years in the league in his first stint with Cleveland. When they weren't going very far, he was just 19, 20 years old. And I mean, aside from like Zatrunas Ilgauskas, there, was just, there wasn't much there. I think this is comparable to that. And for a Lakers team that was hyped up so much going into this season, you know, when you're when you've got Austin Reeves and Malik Monk playing key minutes as your wing players, Malik it, Monk's been balling though. Like that's the one guy who's actually been decent yeah, for him. Malik Monk, hey, respect like, an Austin Reeves name too. I, go after what? Go after Russell Westbrook. Now Austin Reeves, he's the man. <laughs> I've already gone after Russell Westbrook more than enough. But sure, I'll go after Russell Westbrook again. Russell Westbrook is a former MVP and is playing and is supposed to be part of a big three and is coming off of a year where he played very well in Washington and got the Wizards to the postseason and didn't play all that bad in the playoffs until he got hurt in that game against the Sixers. And he's just come here and he just wasn't able to find a role. And you know what? I hate saying that because it's not just that. He's also just played atrociously whether or not he's found a role. He can't shoot. He's he's not much better than Ben Simmons when it comes to shooting the ball. There's I was watching. He's worse a, than Ben Simmons. Yeah, there's, in my vi- there's videos on Twitter that like of like these five minute compilations of him hitting like the top of the backboard when he's trying these bank shots. I don't know why he <laughs> keeps doing those. It's been like five months. They haven't. He doesn't at care, all. man. Yeah. He, he he doesn't care about the critics. And and you know hats off to him in that regard. Six percent from the free throw line, like as an NBA star. Come on, and LeBron James, by the way, deserves some criticism. He's an average free throw shooter. He's shooting seventy five percent on the season. Yeah, but sixty six percent. Come on, 
Like, come on. That's crazy. You're an NBA star. You're shooting two out of every three from the free throw line. Hit your free throws, man. Come on. That's crazy. And in the current NBA, the post-Steph Curry NBA, if you're a point guard, you've got to be expected to shoot the ball well. That's part of the reason Ben Simmons got ripped apart. All these other teams that have star point guards, they're all great shooters. Damian Lillard, Chris Paul, James Harden, Kyrie Irving. The issue is, and we've known this, is, Despite his bad three-point shooting this year, he's only shooting one percent worse than his season average, like than his than his career average. He's not that good of a three-point shooter ever. That's why the sense he's a slasher, which why it never made any sense why he was on this team. Yeah, and then that's kind of when it fits in with the role too, because he's actually shooting better on in the field. By he's shooting the exact same on the in the field this year as his whole career. He's well a little better actually, point four three nine this year and point four three eight on his career. So I mean. It's just the the position he's been put in on this team has literally expo- exposed every single one of his flaws and not highlighted any one of his like his greatness because when he was on the Thunder, even when he was on the Wizards last year, like they weren't great teams, but they let Russell Westbrook they fit with Russell Westbrook to show how great he is. But he's not a perfect player by any means, and this team is just perfectly built to expose Russell Westbrook and the system. Because honestly, if you look at his stats. And it obviously goes more than stats. Other than free throw shooting, there has which which he hasn't been good in the last four years. He I, I don't know what happened to his free throw shooting. He was an eighty percent free throw shooter until the last five years, and then it plummeted the last four years with sixty percent. But regardless, um, if you look at his stats, just purely based on all his years, he's really around his season. He's really around his career averages. He's not much other than free throw shooting. He's not much worse than his career averages. Um, his steals, his defense has definitely plummeted from his career averages. But he's averaging less turnovers in his career than, like, I mean, obviously touches the ball less. But, like, um, he's not being, like, he's definitely bad. Like, he's definitely gotten worse. I'm not arguing that. But stats-wise, he's kind of similar. The, the Lakers are just perfectly built to expose him, which is why it was crazy that they even signed him. So, let's say the Lakers make the play-in tournament. Do you think, Brett, they can get one of the spots in the actual playoffs. No, they're bums. They're not going anywhere. <laughs> and, and and honestly, when they don't, I'm so ready to rip my friends who are Lakers fans who are talking about them. Like, oh. I actually disagree, though. There's I, no one. Thing. I think they make the play-in. I think LeBron James carries them to a playoff spot and then loses in five to the next team. Because I think LeBron James still has it in them to put up 50 in a play-in game and drag their butts to the eighth seed, but... I don't know about that. That's the tough thing. That is true. That my one thing, you know, about LeBron having stuff in the tank is certainly I think he's capable of carrying them in a one game situation. But they're in a situation they're not getting to the eighth seed. They're gonna be they're gonna be the tenth seed if for they sure, get in. For sure. Which means they're gonna have to win two games, uh twice in three days, they're gonna have to win, you know, elimination games. And these aren't gonna be against, you know, necessarily easy teams by any means especially when they get to that second game uh you know there's a good chance they could be playing against the los angeles clippers and the clippers are a much better roster this year than the lakers have to offer so i don't know i think there's a chance i think there's a chance that they can make the playoffs obviously then they'll just get their doors blown off by phoenix but they you know they're gonna need some magic from the king 
and there's still a lot of work to be done. But that's going to be it for hour one here. Still another hour to go on the WRSU Tuesday crew. When we come back, Alex Carminati talked to Nick Tereski from the Rutgers men's lacrosse team. We'll hear that interview, and we'll also talk some Rutgers men's basketball because yesterday another player from the Rutgers roster declared for the NBA draft. We'll talk about that in hour two. Eddie Kaligi, Brett Hahn, and Ellis Gordon here on 88.7 WRSU-FM New Brunswick and online at WRSU.org. <laughs> 